Welcome to ACC Nation. I'm Jim Quist. That's Will Oginen. And our special guest is the publisher of Cardinal Sports, Ty Spaulding. Welcome, Ty. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, look forward to, to diving into some Louisville sports here uh, with you all and giving you all an inside look on what's going on uh, down in Kentucky. Sounds good. Hey, there is lots to talk about when it comes down to the Cardinals. Um Comment on Reddit. Louisville women's basketball is hot. We're going to touch on that. Uh, there's an interesting rumor that Tom Jurich would entertain returning to Louisville. That's um, an interesting conversation. We'll talk a little bit about that. What's going on with Scott Satterfield and Louisville football? Ty will answer some of those questions. But first, let's jump into basketball and the dismissal of Chris Mack. Ty, outside of Louisville, this caught some people by surprise, but I got the impression that within the Louisville circle, it really was an expected move. And um, some thoughts from you on Chris Mack's time with the program and what led to his departure. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of the the, the national folks, um, the ESPN, ESPN broadcast for the, the Duke game on Saturday um, ref, have referred to the Chris Mack uh, separation as a firing um, or a dismissal. And, you know, that that's honestly really, really not the case here. Um, it actually, you know, talking with some people that um, I can, I can pretty much say that Chris Mack initiated these conversations um, on his own. Um, there was a, a couple weeks where you could just tell in his body language on the sideline that he just looked defeated. He didn't know what to do. Um, some post-game press conferences, some, some head-scratching quotes uh, came from him and, and some of the captains on the team. So this was building up. And then um, Louisville hosted Notre Dame where they retired Russ Smith's jersey um, and Rick Pitino came on the Jumbotron for a message, and the crowd went berserk, um, loudest cheer of the season up until that point. And then after Louisville collapsed in the second half, uh, Chris Mack got booed off the floor. Um, so putting the timeline together, those that's kind of the, the, the tipping point in all of this when those discussions between Max Camp and, and Louisville heated up. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, um, this was a mutual separation, a mutual parting of ways, and I think it was a win-win for both parties. Well, it's, it sounds a little on the painful side, to be quite frank, the way that you've laid it out there. That is uh, not the most ideal way for somebody to depart. But, um, again, as you noted, if this is something that in, in his world, in his mind, that things were not going the right way and uh, – you know, he had to make a decision. Um, yeah, I guess it turned out for the best for both sides. Um, where do we stand from the standpoint of, of looking for an, a new coach? Yeah, so um, like you said, you know, obviously someone losing their job isn't a win-win, but Max looked miserable. Like he just looked like he wasn't having fun anymore. He looked like this was uh, spilling over into his personal life. So from that standpoint, that's why I say it's a win-win. Um, and Louisville won in a sense that it didn't have to pay Chris Mack his full $12 million buyout. Um, Louisville saved um, around $8 million 
um, in this whole uh, deal here. Um, so that that was a really, really good, um, really good angle that that Louisville can take away from this is that they saved a bunch of money um, by reaching an agreement midseason. Um, moving forward, there's an interim in place, obviously, the rest of the way. Mike Pegues, who's been with Chris Mack for 10-plus years, um, the players respect him. Um, he, he served uh, as the head coach for the first six games of the year when Mack was suspended. Um, so he's leading the team moving forward. Um, but there, there's a couple of candidates that, that I, I would say Louisville zeroed in on, and one in particular and that being a longtime Kentucky assistant and former Louisville player, Kenny Payne. Um, Kenny Payne is now with the Knicks. Um, he has never been a head coach before, but there's a strong push um, from a lot of in- influential people here in the city um, that, that are really making a push for Kenny Payne. Um, a lot of the former players are voicing their support for Kenny Payne in all roads at this point. Um, are leading back to Kenny Payne being the next head coach at the University of Louisville. So let's get into some of the reasons that it didn't work out. I think one of the things, just as an outsider, that it just felt like uh, development was an issue for the staff. And I look at guys like Sammy Williamson, who came in as a McDonald's All-American, and I think it's fair to say he has kind of regressed this season. Um, You know, this team has not been a very good three-point shooting team this year, and you get a guy like Matt Cross, who came over from Miami, was a 40% three-point shooter as a freshman last year. Now he's shooting above or less than 30% from three. Uh, why did why did this te- this staff struggle to develop some of these players? That that's when you list out the reasons of what Chris Mack failed in or why it failed here, player development is at the top of the list or near the top of the list. Um, he brought in a six-man recruiting class in 2019. Um, three of those players have transferred to mid-major programs. Um, Josh Nickelberry transferred to LaSalle, Quinn Slazinski transferred to Iona, and Aiden Agahan transferred to Grand Canyon. Um, then you have David Johnson, who was probably going to be a first-round pick, um, and he actually regressed a little bit in his time at Louisville, and now he's playing in the G League. And then on the current roster from that class, you have Samuel Williamson and Jalen Withers. And both of those guys, um, like you said, have not gotten any better over the three years that they've been here. Um, so is it talent evaluation? Um, that's, that's kind of a thing that I go back to. Did Chris Mack and his staff misevaluate uh, these recruits uh, when they were in high school? Um, that's certainly possible. But I do think um, – that there's there's a case to be made that there's not one player you can point to uh, that's played under Chris Mack that has developed in his system and really been a guy that has thrived and gotten better um, over the course of his career. Um, there's really not one guy that stands out that you can point to and be like, Chris Mack developed this guy. Um, so going back to your point, that's really, really been a big um, – a big cause for the, for the, the lack of success for Chris Mack here at Louisville. Um, and, and like, and like you said, that the two guys that Louisville was counting on this year, Sammy Williamson and Jalen Withers, neither of those guys are really giving Louisville much at all. So let's get into the on the court stuff. It, it uh, came out a little bit ago before we started recording that Malik Williams is going to be suspended for the North Carolina game. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. So, uh, Word started to get around this afternoon um, that 
the 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 Louisville locker room had, had really gone off the rails. Um, there was some turmoil in the locker room back when Chris Mack was still the coach. Uh, many people chalked that up to Chris Mack and the players not liking Mack. Uh, but it turns out that that may not be the case um, completely. Um, so so Malik Williams, a, a, a six year guy, a captain on this team. Um, he, he apparently uh, got into a, a argument, a disagreement with, with interim head coach Mike Pegues. Uh Mike Pegues said tonight on his coach's show that uh, Williams, quote, fought coaching and fought criticism. Um, and that um, for right now, it's a one game suspension. But uh, the term that they're using is suspended indefinitely. So uh, Louisville will be without him tomorrow night and they will be without uh, Roosevelt Wheeler, another uh, guy on the front line, he's out with a concussion. So Louisville will be very, very thin up front tomorrow against a big UNC team. Uh, that's that's going to be tough. As we know, Armando Baycott is a really good player, and that's that's going to be a tall task for this team. But, uh, you know, this, this is a team in its past two games. They have gotten off to really, really short, uh, rough starts. They were down 27 to 8 to Virginia. And 24 to 8 to Duke. Now they did come back and were competitive in both of those games. But what's been behind the slow starts in these past two games? So I think I think each of those games, there's a different reasoning. Uh, the Virginia game, that was the last game that Chris Mack coached at Louisville. And he just looked checked out on the sidelines. He he had his hand, you know, his face in his hands. Um, he was on a knee. Um, and I don't, I just don't, I just don't think he really um, gave his full attention to that game plan, to that prep, to that scout. Um, and the play on the floor reflected that. As far as the Duke game, that was the biggest crowd that the Yum Centers had in over two years. That place was full. Um, 18,000 plus were in there. It was the loudest that I've heard that uh, the Yum Center in quite a while. And I truly, truly do think that the Louisville players – um, we're a little bit nervous because um, last year, the guys that were on the team, they didn't ever play in front of a full crowd. Um, the fresh, you know, the freshmen on the team out of high school, they've obviously never played in front of a crowd that big. I really do think that some nerves played a factor in that slow start um, as that environment on Saturday was, was one of the, the best that you'll find in all of college basketball. Ty, let's talk a little bit about um, the school's leadership and the athletic department for a moment. From the outside, looking in, there appears to be a need to get things settled down, maybe clean up some dysfunction. Can you reflect on that a little bit for us? Yeah, so um, obviously the um, the Tom Jurich era um, came to a close pretty much in, in a way that um, was, was not a, a clean break. Um, there's, there's a lot of Jewish loyalists out there that, um, ha- have chosen to side with him versus, um, U of L, um, fast forward, they, they, you know, threw in a new board of trustees, uh, they appointed a new athletic director, um, and then they hired a president, um, and neither of those two people are in power anymore. The athletic director is no longer U of L. And the president accepted a job at Penn State in the same capacity. So here we are with a uh, interim AD and an interim president um, just four years after um, 
Tom Jurich um, was a, abruptly um, let go from his position. Um, so right, you're right. There definitely needs to be some stability. Um, from what I from what I've heard, um, the board of trustees is back in a good place. Um, there's a couple uh, appointees uh, or trustees on the board that that um, that had been kicked off but are now back on the board. Um, the the interim athletic director Josh Hurd is doing a great job um, from everything that I've been told. Um, and then the presidential search. Um, from what I've what I've gathered, could take up to eighteen months. So I would guess that you would see a a permanent athletic director in place before the president. Um, but you're right; stability definitely um, is lacking there on Floyd Street. And um, this this basketball search that's a, a an interesting twist is that um, for right now, an interim athletic director is going to be making that hire. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on moving forward. So you've you've made my uh, my move into the Tom Jurich um, rumor so much easier here. Um, I have been seeing this pop up a lot lately, and within the last twenty four hours, especially uh, some thoughts. I mean, it, is that a possibility, a likelihood, or is so? Um, so, like I said earlier. There's a group of, of I don't know if they're fans now, but but they they're Jurich loyalists. So they put their uh, loyalty to Tom Jurich over their loyalty to the school and the university. And that group um, over the last couple months has gotten really loud. And um, there's there's quite there's a handful of, of Louisville's biggest individual donors that um, distanced distanced themselves from the school when Tom Church left. Those individuals are making a strong push um, towards the university, towards the board of trustees on behalf of Tom, uh, citing that if Tom were to be brought back in, their checkbooks would be open again. Um, And from a a very close friend of Tom um, that, that I can vouch, put a message out there on Twitter today, um, that that message is legitimate. Um, that is a close friend of Tom Jurich's. Um, so I think Tom Jurich would be open to returning to Louisville. But at the end of the day, the board of trustees and the president's office has to sign off on that. And I don't know if it even gets to that point. Uh, but if it does, I have a hard time seeing uh, the board of trustees and the president's office giving that their seal of approval. Uh, this is going to be fun to watch uh, from the outside. So maybe we'll be touching base with you again before long just to see what happens. Uh, let's move over into football. Let's talk a little bit about Scott Satterfield and the program. Um, you know, a little upset there uh, over the years that uh, I, I guess some of that dust has settled. Uh, give us your thoughts on on where the program is and, and Satterfield in the eyes of of fans, um, is he one of the guys or is he still kind of on the outs? That's a great question. So um, Satterfield's third year at Louisville, his first year he won, um, he won big, he won eight games, he won the Music City Bowl. His second year, um, they took a a major step back. Uh, You know, whether you want to blame that on COVID um, that's up for debate. And then his third year, which was this past year, 
Um, it was really an up and down year, but mostly it was a, it was on the down. Um, and what really, really um, sent fans into an uproar was when Louisville got housed by their rival Kentucky um, in the last game of the season. Um, there was some some talk all year. Um, you know, they lost some leads. To, they lost a 17 point lead to Virginia. Um, they, they, they blew some games late in the fourth quarter that really, really had fans upset. Um, and then the dust had settled a little bit. They won two straight. Um, they beat Duke pretty handily. They beat Syracuse pretty handily. So things kind of settled back down. And then Kentucky came into Louisville and just absolutely um, took it to the Cardinals and, and pretty much embarrassed, um, embarrassed Louisville. Um, and that, that just threw gas on a fire that was pretty much stoked out. Um, and there was a couple weeks where um, there was some uncertainty whether Scott Satterfield would be back or not. Um, while this was going on, the athletic director and the president um, both left the school. So the winner in all of that, um, right or wrong, was Scott Satterfield. Who's, you know, who's going to make a big-time decision like that um, when there's no AD or president? Um, so there was a week span where there's um, board meetings, athletic association meetings. It was a crazy time to be – they cover a Louisville. Um, so fast forward – uh, to where we are right now. Scott, Scott Satterfield obviously kept his job. Um, and a lot of fans, you know, I'd say it's probably 50-50 um, as fans who wanted them to stay versus wanted them to go. But this offseason, Scott Satterfield has batted 1,000. Um, every move he's made has just been um, welcomed with, with open arms by the fan base. He went out and hired a new offensive coordinator in Lance Taylor from Notre Dame. Um, a, a great up-and-coming offensive mind who coached uh, running backs at Notre Dame, coached running backs at Stanford, also coached wide receivers in the NFL, the, the Panthers. Um, so Satterfield brought him in. Uh, Satterfield also brought in a Super Bowl MVP, Deion Branch, who was a, a star at Louisville as a player development role. Um, that really excited fans. He also brought in um, Wesley McGriff from Florida um, as the co-defensive coordinator. Um, to help out Brian Brown on that end. Um, and then the recruiting has really taken off. They just landed a, a four-star top 150 kid in the country, Pierce Clarkson out of California for 2023. Um, so Satterfield has really, really bought himself uh, some insurance this offseason. Um, I think there's still a portion of the fan base that wants to see this translate on the field into wins. Uh, but right now, Satterfield is back into the good graces of the Louisville fan base fan base. All right. So you mentioned they have a new offensive coordinator who's been a running back coach and Louisville had some really strong contributions from Jalen Mitchell and Travion Cooley as freshmen last year. Could we see more of them in the running game? And, and that same token, could you see a little less running from Malik Cunningham in 2022? Yeah. So the, so the staple of Scott Satterfield's offense is the outside run, the outside zone, the stretch, um, that's what he loves to do. That's his bread and butter. Um, that's been the way since he's been in App State. He's a run first coach. Um, so Lance Taylor coming in, I think um, he's going to enhance and, and maybe um, adjust a, a little bit. But I think the offense, for the most part, is going to, to look a lot of like, a lot like it did last year. 
uh, going to be a run first offense. And you're right, their backfield is is deep um, and talented. You mentioned those two guys, and they also brought in Tyon Evans from Tennessee, um, who is a really, really good running back, uh, more of a speed back. Um, so they do have four, three to four guys that they can really count on in the backfield. Um, but at the end of the day, Malik Cunningham, part of what makes him so good is his legs. Um, so I could see them maybe going away from, from the design runs. They, they're, their go-to on the goal line was the read option. And uh, Malik Cunningham got stuffed against Clemson, um, where Louisville had goal to go to win the game and couldn't get in. They got stuffed against Air Force on the goal line, trying to run it in with Cunningham. So I think situationally, they could go away from the design quarterback run. But I do think you're still going to have Malik Cunningham scrambling uh, very much a part of this offense moving forward. And skill positions in general are pretty strong for Louisville. We've talked, you know, Cunningham's back. We just talked about the backfield, but the receivers, you know, pretty much everyone that caught a pass for the most part will be back. But what about the offensive line? That's going to be a key question mark for the Cardinals this year. Yeah. So the skill position, um, Louisville, Louisville lost a pair of receivers to the portal. Uh, Jordan Watkins went to Ole Miss and Justin Marshall went to Buffalo. Um, but you're right. They do, they do get their leading receiver back and Marshawn Ford. Um, he, he'll line up uh, inside. He'll line up outside. He'll line up in the backfield. Um, he's back. Um, so, he'll, so Louisville does have that production returning. Um, and then up front, the offensive line, um, the only guy they're losing is center Cole Bentley. Um, he'll be off to the NFL. I'm not sure if he's projected to get drafted or not, but they do return Caleb Chandler, who was a, a first team all ACC selection last year. Uh, he'll play guard. Um, they return Brian Hudson, who transferred in from Virginia Tech. He'll probably slide over to center. Uh, Adonis Boone's been a multiple year starter for them. Renato Brown's been a multiple year starter. And Trevor Reed has also been a multiple year starter. Um, so on paper, this Louisville team returns a lot. Um, up front, a lot in the backfield. They return their quarterback. Um, so, like I said earlier, I think I think a lot of the fans want to see some wins this year because um, six wins last year was not good enough uh, for the majority of the fan base. So the defense, I don't think it's uh, out too far fetched to say that that they let them the team let the team down at points uh, during the season. What have they done to address some of those defensive issues? No, you're you're 100 right. The defense, um, what was not good for large parts of last season, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, a couple key things for the Louisville defense, arguably their two best defensive players, cornerback Keetra Clark, who was an All ACC performer uh, two years ago. He tore his ACL and missed the most uh, most part of last year, and, and so did inside linebacker Monty Montgomery. Both of those guys missed the majority of last season. Both of those guys are on track to be back for spring practice, and that will be a big boost to the Louisville defense. As far as additions, they brought in a couple of transfers. They brought in Ole Miss linebacker Momo Sonogo, um, who, who racked up over 100 tackles um, at Ole Miss. He's a, a guy that's played a lot of college football at a high level, um, so they brought him in at linebacker. Um, they also brought in a safety, MJ Griffin, from Temple out of the transfer portal. Um, all indications are that he's going to be a day one starter at Louisville. Um, and then, like I said earlier, they do return uh, Keetra Clark at corner, Monty Montgomery at linebacker. Um, and they return Yasir Abdullah as well. Um, he, he's a guy that, that had 10-plus um, sacks a year ago. Um, 
So he'll be a big, big contributor returning. They also returned Kendrick Duncan at safety. Um, he started every game last year. So I think the Louisville defense, um, I think, you know, obviously where they were, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, hard to improve off of that, but I think with, with what they have coming back, I think they have a chance to be a lot better than they were a year ago. And also that came out just before we recorded is the schedule for, for the 2022 season. And it opens up with four of the first six games on the road uh, at Syracuse to open at UCF. They also have Florida state and USF at home before going to BC and Virginia before the bye. Um, it feels like that it's really important for this team with it's, it's a very manageable schedule I'll say, but I think it's very important for Louisville uh, to get off to a fast start, especially if they want to save Scott Satterfield's job. You're, you know, that's, that's impressive that you say that from an outsider's perspective, because everyone around here is saying Scott Satterfield starting off two and oh will do wonders for him. And obviously that's a, a blanket statement that can be applied to any coach. But really, really, when you dive into Louisville, their first two games are on the road. If they come, if they if they split those games at one and one, their home opener, I would be worried about the attendance for that game. I really do think starting two and zero, beating Syracuse and beating UCF will have this fan base re-energized. It will give them a, a sense of urgency to get out and support the team. Um, there was a lot of animosity towards Satterfield, as we discussed earlier. So starting off 2-0, and we'll do him and the staff wonders uh, to get the fan base back on their side and in Cardinal Stadium uh, to give them a nice home field advantage. Interesting. I almost could, could say here Scott is on a little bit of a hot seat, but not quite. Depends on how he performs right up front from what I'm, I'm getting from what you're saying there. Hey, let's wrap uh, with women's basketball, which has been on a roll. Uh, we were talking about this before we started recording the program. Um, Walls has done a, a, a fabulous job with the Louisville women's basketball team. They have seemingly come out of nowhere, been a giant slayer, have, have basically uh, taken it to, to Notre Dame. Now they're battling it out with NC State for domination in the ACC. Talk to us a little bit about this team. Uh, and and I, I want to say this for the record because we talked about this before, and the whole reason this, this question came up is because we got a response from somebody on Reddit talking about how hot this team is. And I thought, you know, you're right. And if we've got Ty on, let's talk about just how good this team is and Jeff Walls. Yeah, so what's honestly been impressive is that Louisville has been able to hold Jeff Walls in place um, through multiple athletic directors, multiple presidents. Um, there's been some big-time programs that have come after Jeff Walls, um, but through it all, he, he's been a staple in this athletic program that's really just provided a program that in the women's team that's won a bunch of games and done things the right way, um, which that really hasn't been the case at Louisville very often. Um, with the men's basketball program over the last several years. Um, so, so Jeff Walls in the women's program has really, really picked up a lot of supporters. Um, there, there's a lot of their home games this year that have gotten more fans uh, than the men's, uh, to be quite frank. Um, this year is no different. They're 18 and two. Um, they were on a 16 game win streak up until the top five showdown with NC State. Um, Louisville had NC State down. Um, late into that game uh, and then collapsed in the fourth quarter. Um, 
Louisville looked like the better team uh, by and large for for eighty percent of that game, and, and really um, really let it you know, let it slip away towards the end. But they're eighteen and two right now. Um, they 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 just beat Duke um, last night, seventy seven to sixty five. Um, Haley Van Leith, their leading scorer on the season, poured in 17. Um, she's averaging right around uh, 12 points a game. She's a, a big-time player that, that played a lot as a true freshman last year. Um, she's back for Louisville and has really been um, really been what they need uh, from the guard position. And then Rawls, you know, like most other uh, places, he's utilized the transfer portal to his advantage. Um, he's brought in multiple impact transfers, uh, notably Emily Inksler, who's averaging 11 points on the season. Um, so, so Walls has really, really got things going on. Um, and he's, he's, he's established a culture there where it's built for long-term success. Um, it's not a program that's going to win a bunch of games one year that then be in for a rebuild. He's, he's built this roster. He's built this program. Uh, he's gotten it to a place where, you expect them to be good every year. Um, so really hats off to Jeff Walls. Uh, he's doing a great job. He's really providing some positivity for UofL. He's been a voice of reason um, during turmoil and, and during scandals around the university. He's really been a positive light. Um, so, so really glad you mentioned the women's program. They deserve a ton of credit. Jeff Walls um, deserves a lot of that as well. Uh, for those of you who don't or have not watched uh, ACC women's basketball. It's some of the best basketball in the nation. College wise, it's, it's fun to watch. And if you're into brackets, uh, ESPN's uh, Charlie cream has his uh, bracket out and Louisville is the number one seed for the tournament. So that's uh, some positive news. Watch and see what happens. I'm looking forward to uh, how they do in the tournament. Our special guest, the publisher of CardinalSports.com, Ty Spaulding. And hey, Ty, before we let you go, when we have somebody on for the first time, which is the case, we like to find out what their favorite food is and maybe a, a favorite restaurant as well. So we're going to delve into your, your culinary choices here a little bit put you on the spot and see if uh, you have a favorite food and a favorite restaurant. Absolutely. Uh, so if you all do get a chance to, to swing by Louisville, uh, whether it be a football game or a basketball game at the Yum Center or another event, um, a couple places to recommend. Um, if you're looking to, to uh, get, get the most out of your money, um, I recommend Jay Alexander's. Um, it's a, it's a, a um, I would say it's a upper upper end, uh, but still casual in a way. It's a steakhouse um, in Louisville. Um, filet is uh, my favorite item there. Uh, you can't go wrong with Jay Alexander's um, in Louisville. It's a, it's a great place if you want to get a bite to eat. Um, and then the the uh, the restaurant for special occasions. If you're in Louisville, maybe for one one time, the Jeff Ruby's in Louisville is top notch. Um, the, uh, it's right down there by the Yum Center. If you do come in for a basketball game, highly recommend, um, working that into your schedule. Um, so if you're sensing a theme here, my, my favorite, my favorite food is, is definitely a nice filet. Um, obviously that's, uh, something that, you know, those two places are, are definitely, uh, you know, not the norm for me, but, you know, if I were to have my uh, meal of choice, it would definitely be a nice filet. 
don't think you're going to have an argument from either Will or I on that uh, that point. Nope. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, Ty. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me Appreciate on. It, um, Louisville, Louisville tends to be a place that can't stay out of the news. So um, <laughs> if you all have any um, any other questions or, or want any clarity on anything, feel free to reach out and I'd be glad to help. Yeah.